Is Jesus a mere man? Is Jesus a mere man? This is really the heart of Christianity. When you behold Jesus, when you see him, who is he? Who is he? If he's just a mere man, then we're all fools for believing in something that's fake. But what if Jesus is really who he says he is? What if Jesus really is the Son of God? I was listening to and I was listening to an interview the other day, and this interviewer was asking questions, and they started talking about religion. And the guy that was talking, he's not a believer, uh, but he, he he was talking as if he examined the Bible, and he took issue with some Bible stories. Uh, but what he failed to address in the interview was the person of Jesus. You see, if you fail to address Jesus, then you really fail to address Christianity. You cannot tackle Christianity unless you take on the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, in a way, we all examine Jesus. We all put him on trial, if you will, uh, when we look at the truths of the Bible and we say, is this real or not? Who is Jesus. If you go to the next slide, please, I want to show you the context of our passage today. John 18, 28, 19 to 16 is a dramatic section of scripture where Jesus is on trial. Jesus has been betrayed by his disciple Judas, arrested by some soldiers sent by the Pharisees. He's been questioned by Caiaphas, the high priest, and he's now brought to Pontius Pilate, the governor. The Pharisees have had enough of Jesus, and they want to see him executed. Jesus had been calling God his father. That makes himself equal with God. Uh, this especially angered the Jews, because Jesus had been claiming the authority that only God can have by calling out their sin and turning over their traditions. If you go to the next slide, I'm going to give you the sermon preview. We're going to see three witnesses to the truth of the king on trial. Three witnesses to the truth of the king on trial. Jesus is showing these three witnesses who he really is. Now, from a narrative standpoint, our main character today is Pilate. He is the judge in our second point, the judge. Uh, Pilate has an encounter with Jesus. And that's what we're going to see today. And he must confront the truth of who Jesus is. Pilate will have to make a decision on who he deems Christ to be. We'll spend the most time today in our second point, uh, but we're also going to look at some side characters, the Jewish crowd and a robber named Barabbas. We'll jump ahead in our passage to see the gospel, and then we'll trace back in the text for the conclusion. Christ's glory is revealed as he is questioned during this trial, and my goal, my goal is that you would clearly see who Jesus is, and that you would turn to him, and that you would worship him. Our first point today is the Jews, the Jews. This is a John 18, 28 to 32. So our first witnesses are the Jews. We'll start with the Jews because they help us set the stage. You see, the Jews had been under the Roman government. They were allowed to follow their own cultural customs, but they still had to obey some of the Roman rules. Roman rules, they prohibited the Jews from executing criminals. So the Jews could not take matters into their own hands and kill whoever they thought were 
criminals. Now the Jews, they rejected Jesus, their own kinsmen, and they gave him over to the Roman government. This crowd of Jews who had Jesus arrested, they want the government to get involved. And so they go to the governor. Let's read what happens next in our next slide. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So we see that the Jews, they wanted to eat the Passover. Do you see that? They wanted to eat the Passover, so they did not enter the governor's headquarters. They're standing outside and they're kind of yelling at Pilate, hey, I want you to take care of this. There's irony here. There's irony here. Entering the headquarters of the governor would defile them because the governor was a Gentile. See, the Jews, they think that they're clean and pure, but in their hearts, they want to murder Jesus. It's almost as if they're blind to their own sin, so hardened in their hearts that they really believe they're doing the right thing. Their self-righteousness and pride had reached its peak. Do you see the extent of your sin? Or are you ignorant of it like the Jews? They thought the Messiah, their king, would look or act a certain way. And Jesus was not what they expected. They thought that they belonged to the kingdom of God, but it was not theirs to claim. This whole ordeal of getting Christ to be crucified was actually ordained by God to fulfill prophecy. It was to show what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus made mention of this back in John 12. Go to the next slide and you'll see this Crawford reference. It says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. This shows that King Jesus continues to be sovereign over the situation. In no point does Christ lose control over this chain of events. And it also shows that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are willing to die to themselves. Unlike the Jews, will you acknowledge your own sin? And will you look up to Jesus on the cross? The cross is supposed to be disgusting. We're supposed to be turned away from the blood and the gore and the nakedness and the shame. But Jesus says that his cross actually draws people to him. Do you find putting an end to your sin attractive? The Jews were so blind that they could not even begin to see their sin. We must continually be softening our hearts to see where we've sinned. God wants us to grow in our sanctification. Holiness is not an option. Now, I want to give you some practical tips for fighting your own sin. You see, unlike the Jews, they were unable to see their sin and they were unable to fight it. So let me give you some practical tips. I'm an anxious person. I'm really anxious, okay? And one of the reasons that I'm anxious is because I, I don't trust God. Don't trust God. It's hard for me to place my trust in him. I feel like I want the control over my life. One thing that has helped me is to memorize 
Bible verses that, that tell me, hey, Aaron, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear or how you're going to provide, what kind of job you're going to have, what kind of college you're going to get into, how you're going to pass this test. Uh, one verse that has helped me uh, immensely is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your hearts and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. When you're able to memorize the Bible, you're able to internalize it. You're able to make it your own. And what you do when you get anxious like I do is that you say, hey, I'm feeling anxious. What does God's word say? What is the truth of God's word says? It says, Aaron, don't be anxious. And I repeat that verse over in my head. Now, that's good. That's a good start, memorizing and repeating it over in your head. But an additional step, something else you can do is you can pray it back to God. You can take that verse and you can say, dear God, you've told me to trust in you with all of my heart. You've told me not to lean on my own understanding. You've told me that if I can acknowledge you, then you will make my path straight. That's a promise from God's word. So when you can pray that back to God, you give it into his hands and now it, it belongs to him and you trust him. And I can go about my day trusting God that his word is true. The word that I carry in my heart. And then not only do you just pray it to God, but an additional step is that you can tell your friends in your small group. You can say, hey, I've been struggling with anxiousness. Uh, this verse has come to my mind. I've been trying to pray it to God. Would you also pray for me? And so you, you, you give your burdens to God and to your friends and you let them pray for you as well. That, that's just one way where you can fight your sin. Now, that, that's, a, that's an easy example. That's an easy example. But we, we should actually be taking extreme measures to eliminate sin from our lives. The Bible says that our sin is dangerous. Our sin is deadly. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God is holy and he wants our hearts. Receive this warning from the Jewish crowd and repent of your sins before your heart is hardened. This is the truth that the Jews witnessed that day. Jesus is a king, but not one that the world would expect. And those who belong to the kingdom of God are willing to admit their sin. Let's go to the second point, the judge. John 18, 33 to 38, the judge. That's the next slide, please. The judge. And we're going to continue. Our second witness is the judge. The judge in our story is Pilate. Pilate is a governor. He's a Roman official who has been put in charge of the Jews. Remember, Roman rules prohibited the Jews from executing criminals. They had to go to the Roman government. So the Jews bring Jesus to Pilate because they want him to officially charge Christ with a crime. The Roman government doesn't care if you claim to be the son of God. That's a religious matter. You can say whatever you want. You're the son of God. Okay, big deal. But what the Roman government does care about is if you claim to be a king. Now, if you claim to be a king, that puts you in direct opposition to Rome and the emperor and their government and their rule. This would bring direct opposition to the Roman rule. It would be a threat to their power. So let's see how this plays out. Next slide, and we'll read the verse together. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, 
Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Jesus does claim to be a king, but his kingdom is not of this world. This should not bother Pilate, but Pilate continues to probe. Jesus knows he is innocent of any wrongdoing towards the Roman government, and he talks about bearing witness to the truth. There is irony here. Jesus says that if you are of the truth, then you will listen to him. Pilate finds Jesus' statements absurd. Pilate dismissively asks Jesus, what is truth? In a way, Pilate was like a little king. And when he came face to face with the king of kings, he could not believe that this carpenter from Nazareth could possibly know more than him. Pilate was a judge, the one who was supposed to find the truth of the matter at hand. And he says that he cannot know or claim to have the truth. This is the heart of the matter. Do you see Jesus for who he really is? The truth is a person, Jesus, the son of God. In our text today, the judge is judged by the king of kings because he fails to listen to the truth. The judge is judged by the king of kings because he fails to listen to the truth. Do you listen to the truth? Do you listen to the voice of Jesus or do you dismiss it like Pilate does? Pilate is speaking to God himself and he does not acknowledge it. The context, it dictates that I speak directly to unbelievers here today. Don't dismiss the truth. Listen to what I'm saying. See that life is empty apart from Jesus. You will be judged and you will be found guilty for your sins. All the bad things that you've done. You cannot earn your way into heaven. Your grades will not save you. It, doesn't, it does not matter who your friends or who your family are. Your wealth and your health will not last forever. Come and find forgiveness for your sins and abundant eternal life in Jesus Christ. Look at this next slide. It's a cross-reference. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christians, we can also find something to chew on in our text today. It's easy for us to listen to the world. The world says that the truth is subjective. The world says that you make your own truth. The world says that the truth is relative. The world says that your sin is not so bad. Don't be fooled. Don't be swayed. You've heard preaching and teaching here at FCBC Walnut, and I urge you to continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3.14. This is the truth that Pilate the judge witnessed that day. Jesus is the king of kings who will judge those that fail to listen to the truth. 
Notice in the text that Pilate keeps going in and out from talking to the Jews and then talking to Jesus. He keeps going back and forth. It's almost as if he cannot make up his mind about who Jesus is. Now he's found himself pressed into a corner. He doesn't want to kill Jesus because he, he honestly can't find any guilt in him. It's not a crime to say, I'm a king, but my kingdom's not of this world. That, that's not a crime. You can't really kill somebody for that. But Pilate, Pilate needs to calm down the crowd. The crowd is starting to turn into a mob. They're starting to get unruly. Uh, he needs to regain control. So Pilate, Pilate offers an alternative. Next slide, it says the robber, the robber. That's John 18, 38 to 40. Our third and final witness is the robber. Pilate could release Jesus or he could release a robber. Pilate already found that Jesus didn't commit any true crimes. So surely, surely the crowd would be happy to crucify a real criminal. There's not much that we know about Barabbas. Let's see what John says about him. We'll read it together in the next slide. It says, after he said this, next slide, please. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas was a robber. Other parts of the Bible say he was an insurrectionist and murderer. So Barabbas, he's not a petty thief. This guy's a bad guy. He was a dangerous criminal. There was a custom to release a prisoner during the Passover. Barabbas could be traded for Jesus. There's irony here. There's irony here. The name Barabbas has two potential meanings. One meaning is that he's the son of the father. And so instead of trading or exchanging uh, the true son of God, they, they decide to exchange him or trade him for someone else. It could also mean son of the rabbi. And again, still ironic because the crowd traded the true teacher of truth, a rabbi, for someone else. Do you find your life exchanged with Christ? Do you know that you are a robber like Barabbas? We are all robbers. Let me explain to you. The Bible says that we're all robbers. We have all robbed God of his glory. There's an Old Testament passage, Malachi 3.8, that says that the nation of Israel had robbed God from his tithes and offerings. It's not really about the money. Okay? They had robbed God of what he was owed. And we, we rob God of what he is owed every day. We owe him glory. We owe him our lives. He is our creator. He's the sustainer. He is God. And our sin, when we rob him of this, our sin is not small. Our sin is sweeping. The good news, the good news is that your life, your life of sin can be exchanged with the righteous life of Jesus Christ. Your life of sin can be exchanged for the life of righteous life of Jesus Christ. Look at the next slide and read this with me. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you believe this, and repent from your sins, you will belong to God. You will be adopted into his family. And I want to give some encouragement today for those of you
who are Christian, for those of you who have truly found your life exchange with Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who is in Christ Jesus. I've had many regrets in my life, many of them stemming from my own sin. Some that immediately come to mind are broken relationships, and it's, it's my fault. It's, it's my fault. My sin, my pride, my jealousy, sometimes it causes me to lose friendships, and that's something that I deeply regret in my life. Uh, it's something that causes me to lose sleep. It's, it's difficult for me to get over those things, and I'm not trying to say that it's not bad, okay? I, I, we should be able to call sin for what it is. But what the Bible says, and what Jesus promises you, is that if you really belong to God, if you're really his child, if you've really found your life exchange of Christ, there's no condemnation. You can be free from the guilt and the shame that you feel over your sin. And for me, that would be my broken relationships. That would be my anger. That would be... My failure to be a good parent, it's, it's sin, and I have no problem calling it for what it is. Jesus died for my sins, and if you believe this, you can move forward. There is no condemnation. No matter your sin struggle, depression, loneliness, jealousy, covetousness, anxiety, fear, anger, temptation, when you feel shackled by your sin, Jesus sets you free. Jesus did not object to his exchange with Barabbas. Did did, did you see that? Jesus didn't cry out, that's injustice, this is not right, this is wrong. No. It's almost as if Jesus wanted this to happen. He let this guilty man go free. And he does the same thing for you and me. Go. Go and sin no more when you found your life exchanged with Christ's. This is the truth that the robber Barabbas witnessed that day. Jesus is a king who exchanges your sinful life for his righteous life. And there is no condemnation for those who belong to him. Go to the next slide, please. This is the gospel, John 19, 9 and 19, 16. Okay. We've met our three witnesses, and there are more characters we can profile, such as the soldiers who mocked Jesus or the disciples who went missing during this whole ordeal. But we will have to save that for another day. Let's get back to Pilate and Jesus. Let's read the next slide together, and we're going to see the gospel as this story plays out. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he delivered me over to you. Whoever delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And so when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic Gavatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? 
the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. The Jews said that Pilate was no friend of Caesar's if he let Jesus go. He would be no friend of Caesar's if he let Jesus go. Caesar, Caesar was the emperor, okay? So if he was above, he was above Pilate in terms of rank. If Pilate was like a little king in our story, Caesar was the big king. He, he's the real king here. You see, Pilate was scared of losing his job. And the irony is that Pilate feared the wrong king. Uh, Pilate, he was scared of Caesar, but he failed to fear the one who causes kingdoms to rise and fall. And he failed to fear the one who gives and sustains all of life in this world. The rich young ruler was unable to let go of what he loved. Following Jesus will cost you everything, but the cost does not compare to the reward. Jesus told his disciples, if you go to the next slide, please, this is a cross reference. It says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Pilate, Pilate thought he was the one with authority. Jesus says that his authority had been given to him from above. In the same way, you might think that you are in control of your life. In reality, none of us can control our lives. From the day you are born until the day that you die, Jesus is the one with total authority over your life, and he controls everything in between. He is the true king, and he will judge the entire world in the end. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and submit to him now. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, and if you believe that he resurrected and he rose again, you will be saved. I titled our sermon, The Jews, the Judge, and the Robber, Three witnesses to the truth of the king on trial. And I chose the word witness because it means that they saw Jesus, right? These people, they, they saw Jesus. They witnessed him and could testify about him. But just because they were really there with Jesus, it doesn't mean that they saw what was really there with Jesus, you have the opportunity to see Jesus for who he really is. Come and witness him for all that he's worth. Hear him. Hear him as I speak to you right now. My kingdom is not of this world. Take up your cross and follow me. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? If you have been moved by anything I've said today, come talk to me after the sermon, please, so I can pray with you. Let's go to the next slide and we'll go to our big idea. Let's recap the truths that we witnessed today in our text. We saw that Jesus is a king, but not one that the world would expect. And those who belong to the kingdom of God are willing to admit their sin. We've seen that Jesus is the king of kings who will judge those that fail to listen to the truth. And finally, we've seen that Jesus is a king who exchanges your sinful life for his righteous life. And there is no condemnation for those who belong to him. 
With all that in mind, here's our big idea for today. Next slide, please. Jesus is the king, but his kingdom is not of this world. He judges the world by his truth, and those who believe belong to him and his kingdom. Jesus is the king, but his kingdom is not of this world. He judges the world by his truth, and those who believe belong to him and his kingdom. Uh, I gave you different applications throughout our sermon. I will do a quick summary right now in the form of application questions before our conclusion. Next slide, please. You can ask yourself this throughout the week. Next slide, please. Do you see the extent of your sin, and do you seek to eliminate it from your life? Just like the Jews, they were blinded by by their sin. They were unable to see it. For you, do you see the extent of your sin, and will you seek to eliminate it from your life? Second, will you listen to the truth of Jesus and turn away from the world? Will you listen to the truth of Jesus and turn away from the world? Pilate, Pilate was standing right in front of the truth of Jesus Christ. He was talking to him, but he was unable to hear. And he instead listened to the Jewish crowd, the world. Will you listen to the truth of Jesus and turn away from the world? And third, have you found your life exchanged with Christ's and free from condemnation? Have you found your life exchanged with Christ and free from condemnation. Like Barabbas the robber, he was a guilty man, and Jesus traded places with him. Will you find your life exchanged with Christ and free from condemnation? Let's go back to the beginning again for our conclusion. Next slide, please. I asked you, is Jesus a mere man? This is the question at the heart of Christianity. When you behold Jesus, what do you see? If he is a mere man, then we're all fools for believing in something that's fake. But if he is who he says he is, this would impact your entire life. If Jesus is the son of God, this changes everything. It should change your priorities and trajectories. It should change your hopes and dreams. It changes your entire purpose for living, and it changes your whole meaning of life. Let's go back and read John 19, 1 through 8. This is our last, second to last slide. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers, they twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. And so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. This is the greatest irony. They dressed Jesus up as a king with a crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate tells the Jews, behold the man. And he does this mockingly. 
He does this while Jesus is in a way that says, look at this man. Is this your king? And Jesus knows Pilate is just putting on a show. But John, the John who's writing this text today, he's able to see what's inside Pilate's heart. John says that when the Jews say that Jesus had made himself to be the son of God, Pilate was more afraid. He was scared. Pilate had feared that it might be true. There was a sense of being scared of the truth. Is Jesus a mere man? Pilate looked at his beaten body. He looked at his bloodied face. He looked into his darkened eyes. Is Jesus a mere man? Our text today asks you the same question. Who do you see when you look at Jesus? Pilate said, behold the man. But maybe there's a different way to behold Jesus. Here's a verse from the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, a proclamation by John the Baptist. Next slide, please. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Here, at the end of Jesus' ministry, you're asked the same thing, to come and behold Jesus. It's a beautiful bookend. Do you behold the man or the lamb? We all put Jesus on trial to examine if what he says is true. And when you examine Christ, you won't be able to escape from the truth. You'll see his holiness and you'll see your own sin. Don't dismiss him. Hold on to him and you will find mercy and grace. Jesus really is the son of God, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. My prayer is that God would open your eyes. For if you behold Jesus in this way, you are blessed. Jesus is the king, but his kingdom is not of this world. He judges the world by his truth. And those who believe belong to him and belong to his kingdom. Let's pray. This is a prayer poem that I wrote for you today for the youth service at FCBC Walnut. There are three who saw the king on trial as a man. Come and witness, worship, and behold him as the lamb. The Jewish crowd, the leaders who would want to see him killed, may I not be blinded by my sin and by the world. The judge, the one who held the court and could not see the truth. Would you help me to believe in Christ I cannot lose? The robber and a murderer, a rebel was exchanged. Teach me now to find my rest. I'm set free from my chains. There are three who saw the king on trial as a man. Come and witness, worship, and behold him as the lamb.